Hoffman loses control of the puck and goes to the far board. Here's Gerald with a turnaround shot deflected to the backboard on the left side. Martin pokes it out in front. O'Shea, a shot and a goal! Welcome to A Shot and a Goal, part of the On the Air Podcast Network. Hi everyone, welcome to A Shot and a Goal, the podcast about hockey broadcasters. This is episode 43, and my name is Jake Baskin. The NHL season is upon us, and some congratulations are in order for a couple of previous guests of this podcast. The long search for the next Tampa Bay Lightning television announcer is over, and it has unearthed Dave Randorf, guest on episode 12. I'll admit, I was pretty surprised when I heard that he was the choice, because I never expected him to leave Canada. But I'm really happy for Dave. Lightning fans should feel really lucky. Maybe at the end of this season I can have him on again and we can talk about his first year down in Florida. I will say that Dave gave me one of my absolute favorite shows so far, because it was really the first interview I did of that length, where I felt I really knew what I was doing. Jack Michaels, guest on episode 36, also now holds one of those elusive 31 NHL local TV jobs, as he was elevated from radio the day before the season. Jack's a great personality, a very funny guy, and one hell of a play-by-play announcer. And he gets the best of both worlds, as he will still be on radio when the Oilers' games are televised nationally. I must also say I appreciate that Sportsnet is making an attempt to cover all their national games on-site, which gives me hope that we return to entirely on-site broadcasting in the Big Four long-term. Congratulations are also in order for Hockey Night Punjabi lead voice Harnarayan Singh, who made his debut calling NHL games in English this past Wednesday, and will be handling national games in Edmonton presumably all year. Excited to hear more of him. Maybe I can even get him on here. On to today's guest, Alex Heinert is who we have this time. He is the television voice of the University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks. And not just hockey, the sport for which the school is famous, he also calls football, basketball, volleyball, any other sport for UND that's on TV. But the reason I really wanted him on this show is because of what he was doing in December. Midcoast Sports Network, the channel he works for, was airing the games in the National Collegiate Hockey Conference from their own bubble, the pod as they called it, in Omaha, Nebraska. And when Alex and I conducted this interview in December, he was in an Omaha hotel room. I really wanted to know what bubble hockey was like, and he gives us a good look into it. Alex also has an interesting background as to where he grew up and how he got his start. Not exactly what you'd consider a traditional upbringing for a hockey fan. I enjoyed talking to Alex here, and I hope you enjoy hearing from him. This is Alex Heinert from the University of North Dakota on episode 43 of A Shot and a Goal. And then honestly, let's talk about the teams and the players and the coaches and the equipment staff and the trainers, the people that make the game itself go. The product that they have put on the ice has been incredible and it's made us remember what we've been missing since they went away in March. They have done an incredible job off the ice to ensure that this pod was not compromised and the entertainment on the ice has been, I think, better than expected. Kudos to them. And kudos also, by the way, for the coaches and players who were so giving of their time to us to let us get to know them and, and represent their programs well on the air. That's been huge, and we could not thank them enough. Last but not least, we got to say thank you to our Midco SN crew. When this month began, our network was faced with the daunting task of broadcasting 38 college hockey games in Baxter Arena in 21 days. That's kind of an unprecedented thing when you think about it. That's more games than a World Junior Championship, more games than an Olympic hockey tournament. And yet, this group tried. They, they decided to give this a shot, our company on down, 
and incredibly they have pulled it off and not just pulled it off but put out a broadcast that I would put the quality of with any production in the country and that's an incredible job by over 50 hardworking men and women that have had some hands in this production. Hi and welcome to episode 43 of A Shot and a Goal, part of the On the Air podcast network. I'm Jake Baskin and with me today from Midcoast Sports Network and the University of North Dakota, Alex Heiner. How's it going, Alex? Hey, it's good, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Explain to the listeners where you are right now. <laughs> so, I am in, uh, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, getting ready for the start of week two of the MCHC pod down here at Baxter Arena. So I'm in, I'm in hockey heaven right now, really, two, three games a day for three straight weeks. It's been wild, but it's been a lot of fun. How does it feel to be working again? How long were you off? So, I mean, our last our last hockey broadcast would have been uh, back at the end of February. Would have been our last UND home game. And so, uh, with our network, Midco Sports Network is the home television broadcast network for uh, UND hockey. So we do all of UND's home games. And so that last game on Leap Day, February 29th of 2020, UND clinches the Penrose Cup against Western Michigan. They played the following week in Omaha, ironically in Baxter Arena, in their final game of the regular season, and then. A couple of days later, the season was over uh, because of the pandemic. And so we hadn't had hockey from end of February, really, for on our airwaves until you know, last week. So I, I had done some high school football games uh, in South Dakota and in North Dakota in the fall. But, but that's been pretty much it. It's been a lot of, yeah, <laughs> not calling sports and trying to find other ways to fill the time. But uh, So it's been great to have the games back, that's for sure. How is bubble life? How are they treating you? What is your day-to-day routine, both game days and on days you have off like today? Yeah, it's been great. It's been busy. Um, we have typically done, so the way the schedule has worked, if you're not tracking on this, there have been at least two games a day, just about every day. Mondays are off uh, for everybody. It gives the league a chance to reset, um, lets the arena staff get a little bit of a break. So it, it depends a little bit if it's a day where I'm calling games or not. Um, but for the most part, if it's a game day, you know, you'll wake up, you'll finish whatever prep you've got in the morning, um, typically just in the hotel room, grab, grab lunch and breakfast here in the hotel. They've done a great job of providing those things for us because the goal is to not be out in society, even though uh, all the media, um, at least broadcast media, are tier two. Um, print media are tier three. Players and coaches and staff from the teams are tier one. You're not supposed to really interact with anybody outside of those tiers. Um, so we've not been able just to run you know, down the street to go grab a cup of coffee or go you know, get a sandwich somewhere. Everything's kind of been in-house. But uh, on, those, on those game days, again, it's just being in the hotel, getting ready for the game, having a pre-production meeting, going to the rink you know, two hours or so before puck drop, and, and then you're just there until the games are over. And then on off days, you usually have a day in between your next game. And it's, it's just been, yeah, a lot of preparation, um, watching through the press conferences, touching base with coaches or, or people from the staff of the teams that you're going to see the next day. Uh, that pretty much fills up all the time, really. Um, FaceTiming with my family as much as I can and touch base with my wife and my girls. But for the most part, yeah, you just you get into a routine of just waking up and then grabbing your laptop and doing research and getting ready for the next set of games. So let's go back to the beginning. When and how did you decide you wanted to be a sports broadcaster? Oh, good question, Jake. Um, you know, I, I always loved sports and kind of gravitated towards sports uh, since I was a little kid and played just about everything growing up. And I, my older brother and I always wanted to be sports center anchors. I think probably when I was about in middle school, that was sort of when 
it was really, you know, cool to watch highlights on TV and, you know, idolized guys, you know, like Stuart Scott, and Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick and Keith Oberman and like those guys, you watch those guys every morning, you know, when you'd wake up before school and catch the highlights at night. And I, you know, I, at some point I think in that I decided, oh yeah, I really want to do this for a living. And I went to a really small high school in rural South Dakota. I graduated with 17 kids in my high school class. I went to a one room country school when I was in kindergarten until I was an eighth grader. So it was pretty, you know, pretty remote, but we were blessed that the, the small high school that I went to had a local access TV station that the high school kids were able to, you know, do, do games on. Essentially, it was sort of a class you could take and you got, you know, experience running a camera and doing interviews and, and calling games. And so if even though I was playing football and playing girls basketball or playing basketball and playing, I wasn't playing girls basketball, <laughs> playing basketball and playing, uh, you know, running track and field. If I wasn't playing, you know, I would call the girls' basketball games that were that were going on on different nights um, that I had games. Or I would do, you know, when I was on JV, I would do the varsity football games and doing play-by-play for those things just for this little local access TV station. And it was small production. I mean, one camera with a microphone attached to it. Um, you didn't have a color person. Like, it was, it was pretty low, low production. Um, but it was great. It was just great to get those kind of reps as a, as a kid. And... Uh, I went to school at the University of Sioux Falls in South Dakota, and they had a great media program. Um, and so I got a chance to, you know, work work in radio a little bit and kind of figure out some of the ins and outs of that. And um, yeah, I was able to to call games on the college radio station for University of Sioux Falls football and some other things. And it just sort of built. You sort of got to know people and got more opportunity to do a lot of different things, sort of part time in broadcasting as a college student, and then. Uh, eventually it sort of became a full-time gig a couple of years after the fact and I joined Midco about seven years ago or so and initially honestly as a producer I kind of became a, a behind-the-scenes guy for a little bit and would call games every once in a while and just tried to take advantage of the opportunities that I got and eventually it's possible into this so just feel really really blessed that the whole path is, has led me here it's been a really fun career and a really fun journey to get here. Well you've answered a lot of the questions on the list just in that one answer so thank you for that. <laughs> no no problem I I I do appreciate that, so I didn't have to think about how to word my questions. You grew up in a small town in South Dakota. I looked up the Wikipedia page, population 581 as of the 2010 census. That sounds sounds right, yep. Uh Hockey kind of has the stereotypes in the U.S. of being a highly regional sport. So were you a fan of hockey growing up, or did that just pop up when you started broadcasting? No, I was actually. Um, so we, I'm from a yeah, super small town, and honestly, I, I grew up on a ranch about 30 miles outside of town. So, so the town, um, <laughs> the town of a 600 people or so, that was even a little bit beyond my reach. We were way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so really, because you didn't have sort of the normal like, oh, you know, school's over, I'll go to my friend's house, or oh, hey, this is, you know, we have this activity going on around town. You really just went to school and then came back home and, and did your chores or did your homework and then honestly just watch sports and so we had we had games on like all the time and you know the NHL at that time had the contract with ESPN as their main broadcasting rights partner and so we grew up watching Stanley Cup finals and you know watching the ESPN game of the week and my mom actually even though we're from South Dakota my mom's from Boston and actually came out to South Dakota to teach Um, she was a teacher and came out uh, through the Teach for America program and so we had roots kind of in New England and my family's big hockey fans on that side and so we grew up you know, cheering for the Bruins and, you know, regionally we kind of got into like the avalanche when they were good. And when Ray Bork made that switch, like it was fun. You sort of had, 
you sort of had these random allegiances with these different teams, and the games were always on. And so I became a pretty big NHL fan, you know, when I was in middle school. Uh, that was my favorite sport to watch. And it gradually transitioned into college hockey, and I watched all those Frozen Fours um, and, and really got to like some of the BC teams and some of the Minnesota teams in the early 2000s. And just, it was just such a fun, unique sport, and I loved learning about it and loved watching the speed and the pace of the game. Uh, we didn't have a rink, obviously, as a tiny town, but we would always play pond hockey when I was in college. Um, and I learned how to skate, and we would play every night. And it was just a, just a sport that's always kind of been on the periphery for me, but always something that I really loved. Uh, and then when I graduated college, I started actually working um, for the Sioux Falls Stampede of the USHL as a public address announcer, just part-time. But um, I did that for four or five years or so and got to know a little more about the ins and outs of the game. And all those things really prepared me when the opportunity came up to do you know the, do the play-by-play for the, the premier college hockey team in the country. I at least had a really good background of what was going on. And uh, that really helped me hit the ground running when I started with North Dakota. What is important to you when broadcasting hockey? What do you want to get across to the listener? Well, I think the big thing is, you know, you want to you want to let the listener know that that you you have a good handle on these teams. You want to provide them information on what's going on about the players they're watching, the context of what the game is. Obviously, it's really important to then capture the emotion and, and the excitement of the game. Um, that's been unique here in Omaha because the emotion levels are are different. There's not quite the atmosphere, of course, with no fans, but certainly the emotion on the ice has been high and high level. So you want to portray that. I think you really want to make sure the fan, you know, has a has an enjoyable time. That it's fun. I mean, you remember this is people take this seriously, and obviously, this is you know people's livelihoods, and you know, for these young men that are playing here at the D1 level, like they have dreams of, of making this their career. So we don't want to take it too lightly. But at the same time, it is entertainment. You know, People are watching the game to be entertained. And so you want to have fun with the broadcast. And hopefully hopefully those things all come across. But yeah, I think making sure that the broadcast provides content, um, that fans learn something every time they turn it on, that you're able to provide some levity too in the midst of you know, kind of a tough year or potentially whatever's going on with people's lives. This is an escape. And so we want to make it, make it a fun broadcast that people can walk away from and say, oh, I enjoyed myself during that two and a half hours, and I learned something too. That's always the goal. You mentioned that your favorite announcers growing up were sports center anchors. I think you mentioned Stuart Scott and Rich Eyes and Dan Patrick. But who were your favorite play-by-play announcers growing up? Who made the biggest imprint on how you call sports? Oh, that's a good question too. You know, as a kid, again mentioning like that that NHL connection with ESPN. You know, Gary Thorne and Bill Clement were were the voice of those games. You know, growing up, and those guys were fantastic. And you kind of pick up on little things from then. You know, when I got older, I had the privilege to work alongside people um, through my college with with the University of Sioux Falls. Um, Tim Fred, or sorry, Tom Frederick was the play by play man for USF football, and I was able as a senior to kind of follow him around. And, shadow him and do color with him for a couple of games and seeing how he prepared that really helped me figure out okay this is sort of what you need to do to get ready for a broadcast and here are some things that that he did that i watched and emulated during games of keeping track of plays those sorts of things um so tom was really influential in just how to be a professional broadcaster for me but uh in terms of like who, who i like to listen to or who i've felt like i've been influenced by there are so many great people obviously that that work at the national and local level. And it's really hard to, to sort of pare that down, to be honest with you. But I mean, honestly, it's kind of from left field. One of the guys that I, I really love now that I'm almost most influenced by currently is Arlo White, who's doing English Premier League soccer for NBC. And the way that that guy sets the scene for broadcasts and gives you this great visual 
almost poetic image of what's happening to kick off the games. And he's always got so much information and facts and, and does so in such a, a unique way that you just don't hear necessarily from, from folks in America. Like I, I've heard him so much and always think, gosh, that's a level that I'd love to get to of being able to paint that scene like that. And so, but yeah, there, there are just a ton of people that are, that are amazing, you know, from Al Michaels to, you know, just there, there are a lot of people and I don't want to start just rattling off all the great folks, but those are a couple, I guess, when I think of my, my personal account and people on the national level that I like that have really made a difference for me. I do appreciate the Arlo White mention. I think everyone has, you know, like, it seems like every hockey fan is like a non-traditional sports announcer, like, you know, either someone from a faraway country or like some niche sport. For me, the guys I like are the guys calling boxing and UFC. So I, I do appreciate that mention there. I've tried to really get into Premier League soccer, but I value my sleep too much. Um, <laughs> some of those games come out pretty early. In my job, when we have sports, unfortunately, it looks like it'll be a while because I call games at the D3 level. I call a bunch of different sports, and I really enjoy the variety. You also have a multi-sport job. Even though North Dakota is a really great hockey school, you are not just calling hockey. What other sports do you call, and do you think it's helpful or fun not just focusing on one sport, one team a season? No, I do, Jake. You know, I think it's great to have the variety. I would get not that I would get bored if you were just calling one team the entire time, but you would you would miss the the different beats that the different sports offer. Um, so with our contract with UND, I get the luxury of calling UND football and volleyball in the fall. I do UND men's and women's basketball in the winter time, along with hockey. Uh, and then we get to do softball and soccer um, when it pops up. Those we have a less. You know, we have less of those, of course, on the schedule. But um, and then I get to do track and fields, uh, and most most of that is more PA stuff at the local level. But um, I, I really get to, to paint a pretty broad brushstroke with all these different sports, and I do think it helps. You sort of pick up different things, either from a preparation standpoint or connections you can make from within the school from one sport to the next. Uh, having those other sports to get to plug into, I think, just expands your horizons a little bit, and I think makes you better. When you go back to maybe the sport that you do the most of. And I think that's that's been the case for me, certainly. Obviously, in the college hockey world, North Dakota has a mystique and a long history of success and a gigantic fan base, kind of equivalent to Duke basketball or Notre Dame or Alabama football. Is there some kind of added excitement knowing you get to call the games on one of the most storied teams in college sports and being at Ralph Engelstad Arena sold out every night? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't take that for granted. I know that when I took the job, or when I, when I, I don't know, took the job is probably not the right word. When I, when I was blessed to get picked to do this, that was, uh, that was always at the forefront of my mind. Of like, this is, this is a job that, I mean, is special. Like, you don't get a chance just to, to walk into this particular role with this program every day and not very many people are lucky enough to have that and i think the the more research you do and the more that you sort of look back over the years um it reminds you like oh this is huge like this is a huge huge thing that stretches across north america like this program has their footprints in so much in the world of hockey and it's been cool to to learn, a, learn about that history and, and, and talk to people that have been a part of that history and learn more about the story it is a privilege it's really special and i think the the reach, like you're reminded, especially during during the pod here in Omaha, when there isn't any other hockey going on, and you've got 
you know, UND has 12 NHL draft picks right now on the roster, and they're spread out all across the NHL. And you've got so many NHL alums or current NHL players who played for UND that are taking an interest in watching their alma mater play because they don't have anything else going on right now other than getting ready for a season that is still maybe a month or a month and a half away. The, the number of people that have reached out and said, hey, we caught the broadcast last night. Or, oh, yeah, this, this is awesome. We're so glad you guys are doing this. It's been overwhelming. And I think that's just a reminder of really how big this program is and how big this sport is in North America and how special it is that I get a chance to be a part of it. You mentioned that you're not on the same tier priority as the players and coaches, which makes sense. But during normal times, how much are you involved with Brad Berry and the players and whatever other coaches there are? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, in, in normal times, again, these are obviously unique. <laughs> Things are a little bit different right now because of the, the state of the world. But in a normal year, you know, we would have an interview with Brad every week. You know, we talk with Coach Barry on Mondays for a coach's show that we do that runs weekly, kind of as a pregame show to our hockey coverage. Um, usually, we'd be doing stories, you know, with, with doing some some kind of feature story on one of the players or a, a unique thing that's going on with the team or with an assistant. That would usually happen once a week or so as well. So typically, a couple times a week, you're over at the rink or you're having a a conversation with the coach or with the player. So we get we get to know the team and, and the guys pretty well, and we're traveling with the team typically, even though we don't broadcast from the road. Uh, either myself or one of our production team is going along with the team on flights, so we've got highlights to bring back. Um, so you, you, yeah, you're really invested with this group, and you get to know the guys pretty well. And that's, that's fun, and that makes calling the game so much better because you have a little extra layer of connection with the team. Uh, one other thing, too, even if we didn't have that base touch, we have the best college hockey beat writer and really the best beat writer period in the country in Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald that covers the team like nobody else. You have, and he's, he's in touch with the guys all the time, too. So you really have this intimate knowledge of what is going on with the team and what's going on with the history of the matchup and all these things. So we're, we're super lucky. We have a great sports information director with North Dakota Hockey, Mitch Wigness. We have the best beat writer in the country in Brad. And then we have this great personal contact as well with the team. So there's layers upon layers that we get to draw from for these broadcasts. And again, we feel very, very fortunate that we're in that position to do so. Even though I'm not a North Dakota fan, I actually grew up a Minnesota fan. Uh, so if those listeners are going to tune out right now, as soon as I mention this, I do read a lot of Brad Schlossman. He really covers the team phenomenally. Good that you mentioned him. Your usual partner is former North Dakota goalie Jake Brandt. Always good to have other Jake B's in the world of hockey <laughs> and broadcasting. But in the pod, you've also had the chance to work with a college hockey broadcasting legend and Dave Starman. Yeah. And you can also talk about the other sports you call here, but how do you go about incorporating your analysts and learning about how they operate differently and keeping them involved? Well, I think the first thing you know, the relationship you have with your analyst is really important. And I think, because again, it's a, it's a team. It's obviously not my game that I'm calling. It's our game. It's your analyst. It's your producer. It's the people that you're working with in the truck. Like it's a huge team effort. And even though maybe I do some, some, sometimes maybe I do the majority of the talking or you're on camera the most or whatever, you're only as good as kind of the weakest link in the broadcast. So you're trying to make sure that everybody's on the same page that everybody knows what's going on and that you're all kind of in this together. And so, when you when you approach, I think that that announcer color analyst you know relationship, I think it needs to you need to have a, a relationship. You need to know the person a little bit. There needs to be some background, some history that you can draw on. I know 
like with Jake and I now, this is our sixth year. Is that right? No, I'm sorry. This is our fifth year <laughs> working together. Um, and it's the same thing with some of the other people that I work with at UND, um, whether it's Ryan Kosowski, who was a former UND football player for our football games, or like Brad Dewitt, who's an outstanding basketball analyst for us, um, who lives in Sioux Falls now, who does our Summit League coverage. Like, regardless of who you're dropping in with, it's great to have a little bit of chemistry and great to know that person and sort of know their story a little bit because then you're just so much more comfortable during the call because you, you have essentially you're just sitting down with a friend then and you're just talking about the game and the, the more history you've got with that person and the more chemistry that's going to show and make a more enjoyable listen to your people out there. And so uh, I just mentioned that because like working with Jake, for example, is different than working with Dave just because I've known Jake now, yeah, for half a decade and we've done, you know, you do 25 games a year together for the last four plus years, you just develop a, a, a groove of, I know when Jake's going to jump in, I know some of the points he's going to try and make, I know what direction he wants to go in and, and I can set him up, you know, to, to, so we can hit those points and to help describe something or step aside when I know he's going to carry the day. Uh, with Dave, you know, I, I've, I've known Dave for a couple of years and, and Dave and Ben Holden obviously do a phenomenal job for CBS and they're in Grand Forks a couple of times a year to do the NCHC game of the week. So I've guys know them a little bit over the course of time, but it's usually just a quick base touch and kind of a catching up and how you doing and great call last night and whatever. And that's about it. And so now you're in the pod, you know, you get a, it. The first game that I did with Dave uh, was Minnesota Duluth against Denver, you know, huge game, two top four teams going at it, two national title contenders. And I had never called a game with Dave before. And it took about a period to sort of figure out just the flow, even though I knew Dave's work really well. It still takes time to build up that rapport a little bit. Uh, the game still went great, and I, I think it was still a good call. And, and Dave's phenomenal, and, and I, <laughs> Dave was able to overcome some of my shortcomings and really pull us through. But uh, but then I did a second game with Dave a couple days later, and just a night and day difference of hey, we've got one game together under our belts. We know how this is going to go. It just felt so much more smooth, much more comfortable. And so I think, you know, working with Dave, Dave is uh, tremendous at prep. Dave is, has awesome relationships with the coaches of these teams in this league and has no problem like, oh, I got a question about, you know, the other night in the Minnesota Duluth game, they had a freshman goaltender who was going to play his first game in net. And he's able to call up the Minnesota Duluth goaltending coach, Brent Nicklin, and have a quick five-minute conversation just to get more inside details that aren't listed on the internet about what Brent thinks about the new goaltender and to have those relationships at your fingertip that you can just, Oh, let me just call this guy off the off a whim and he'll spend five minutes with me right before the game. That's priceless. And you only get that if you've been in the game as long as Dave has built up as much equity with people across college hockey. And so, you know, he's Dave's phenomenal. And as an aside, Ben is phenomenal as well. And, and Jake is too. Like it's so much fun to work with all of these people. Donnie Barnes, who's doing some games for us, you know, radio, Dave Brisson, who's a UNO analyst as well. We're really blessed to have a great team down here in Omaha. And it's been so much fun to see them work and to see them prepare and to see them execute that on game day. And that's been part of what's made this so much fun. You get a chance to see some of the best in the business do what they do and hopefully pick up some tips and, and make yourself better in the process. You know, when I am calling games, most of the time it's just me and a producer. When I'm like, I work for a streaming service that covers. NESCAC, a bunch of good academic schools in the Northeast. But when I work at Williams College, they always make sure to, or almost always make sure to provide me with a color commentator. I don't do their games that often, but it's definitely weird going from solo to how am I going to incorporate this guy who's usually a college student, a varying quality, you know, usually. A, I worked a lacrosse game with a guy 
who is a football player at Williams and we did really well, but other times they'll match you with someone maybe who just got to campus for the first time and doesn't know anything about being on the air. And I guess because I'm an inexperienced professional announcer at this point and I'm still in college, I don't really know much about incorporating people. So it is really helpful when you eventually work with the same person long enough that you kind of know their tendencies, which I have not been lucky enough to do yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those are things that just happen over time. And yeah, especially if you're just, if you're in a situation where you're literally just meeting the person right before you go on the air, that's hard. I mean, that's a hard thing to jump into because you don't know their comfort level. You don't know their maybe their their background in terms of the sport you're calling or the teams that you're working with, but you know on those occasions you just you just pray a little bit and you put a smile on and you just, you just try and have fun with it as best you can and try and sell the other person as much as you can and hope it goes okay. And if it doesn't, you know what? That you shake it off and you forget that one and you and you try and learn something from it and you move on to the next one. And that's that's about all you can do, I suppose. All right, Alex, I have one more question. Do you have any long-term or end goals for your career? Yeah, that's, a, that's a really good question too, Jake. I think, you know, when I started out, like I really wanted to do play-by-play and do it at a high level. And, and I wasn't really sure what that meant. I know I think as a college kid or as a, as a young professional, it's like, oh man, I really want to be calling Stanley Cup games. Or I really want to be calling events in the Olympics someday or, or March Madness or whatever that looks like. Like those are... Those are like those cool dream things. Um, like I always wanted to be on the call for a World Cup game, you know, so at some point. And and those things are still there. Like I still would love to do that at some at, at some point in my career. It would be awesome to get that opportunity to work for a major network or to have those types of you know worldwide type events that that's like you grew up watching. It'd be, it'd be cool to be the soundtrack to those sorts of things. But at the same time, too, like life, you know, life isn't measured by how far you got or how high up the ladder you were able to climb. I think that my happiness isn't, isn't tied to me getting a gig with, with ESPN or, or, you know, with, with Fox sports or something like that. I, I feel really comfortable, you know, with where I am. I think for my family, I've got a wife and, and two young girls uh, and, you know, being a dad and, and being around is, is really, really important to me. So right now, you know, I, I'm loving what I'm doing right now. I feel blessed to work for a great company. It's Midco itself and Midco Sports Network. Again, we're just a, a regional sports network in the upper Midwest. And, and and the quality of work that we do up here and the people that I get to work with are just such a high-level human being. Uh, from one to the next to the next, it's incredible that, you know, I'm in no rush to, to move on or to really pursue something else. And I'm excited to see where next year and the year after that and the year after that take me. But I just have yeah, a lot of faith and trust in God's plan for me that, that good things will happen. And, and right now, this is a good thing. I'm really excited to be here. And I'm, I'm curious where where I'll go next. And, and if that means, you know, calling you in the hockey for the next 20 years and being, being able to watch my kids grow up without having to be gone all across the country, all over the world, all those things, that's going to be just fine. I, I'm really excited to see what comes next. And uh, I'm very happy with what I'm doing right now, for sure. All right, Alex. Thanks for coming on checking in from your hotel room in Omaha. Um, Have a great day, and I'll be listening for you on the call tomorrow. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. And continue good luck to you, Matt. Just keep, keep grinding away, keep pushing yourself, keep making yourself better, and good things will come. Good to chat. That was Alex Heiner, television voice of the North Dakota Fighting Hawks hockey team. Thanks to him for coming on. You know, I see a few similarities between Alex and myself just in terms of career path and not pigeonholing yourself into one sport. 
I have a multi-sport job with the streaming service when sports are on, and I don't know what path I'll pursue once I finish school. Hockey would be great, but I'm not sure it's my best sport as of now. Basketball probably is, but there's a harder path to the NBA than there is to the NHL. So we'll see. It's best to keep my options open and keep calling whatever I can. That'll do it for episode 43 of A Shot and a Goal. You can follow me on Twitter at JakeBaskinPXP. Next up, we return to the Capitals organization and hear from Zach Fish, the voice of the legendary Hershey Bears, who are returning to action next month. See you next time.